It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807 and 77 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, working hard every Saturday morning to work myself out of a job by teaching every gardener in Georgia what they need to do in the garden so that I can finally retire to, once upon a time I said to Tahiti, but I saw an advertisement for Bora Bora the other day on The Price is Right, which my mother and I enjoy every Wednesday, and I think now I'm trying to work my way into a permanent vacation in Bora Bora. If you would like to help me teach gardeners, call me 404-872-0750. Get your question answered right here, and maybe questions that other people had will be answered as well. Alex has a question about organic pesticides in the garden. We'll talk about that for just a minute right now. Hey, Alex, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help? Well, so my wife and I are first time at vegetable gardeners. We had a nice little garden with everything from peppers to squashes, melons, okra, corn on and so forth. Great. Um, anyway, so we got some small children and pets, and we've noticed recently that uh, some of the plants have got some big holes in the leaves. Got it. And we're seeing slugs on some of the plants, as well as mm. lots of Japanese beetles. And my wife is kind of crunchy canola and wants to use all organic <laughs> stuff Good to for her. You know, protect the, the kids and the pets and whatnot. And so I was just wondering if you had some advice on something we could make ourselves. Yeah, well, we could purchase. I'm not going to tell you anything you can make yourself, but i got several things you can do and some things you can purchase that are organic and safe. And there's one key thing to any kind of organic pest control, and that is, number one, identify what pest you're trying to control. So many okay. times it's by the symptoms. What does the feeding damage look like? And in your case, if the holes are big in the leaves of... Uh, usually cool season things like broccoli and cabbage and things like that, that's almost always going to be a caterpillar. And there is a really, really effective organic caterpillar killer for not only caterpillars on the on the broccoli and those kind of things, but also the hornworms you have on tomatoes. And uh, most people just refer to it as caterpillar killer with BT. BT is a bacillus that is not harmful to humans or pets or birds or anything, but it kills caterpillars very effectively. And so if you have caterpillars, you identify this is a caterpillar problem. You say, I need some caterpillar killer with BT. Go to any garden center, pike certainly, and say that's what you need. They'll be able to, to satisfy your needs for that. Right. The second thing, if you have Japanese beetle damage, then many times the feeding looks like a, like the leaf is changing to a doily, sort of. It's really, really lacy, you know. And for Japanese beetles, there are... It's hard to control, even with synthetic insecticides, it's hard to control Japanese beetles, but this is where if you've got the wife and the kids and the kids need a job in the summertime, you send them out early in the morning when it's cool and give them a little cup with some soapy water in the bottom and say, just hold this underneath the leaf and then tap it. And the Japanese beetles will fall off of the leaf and into the soapy water. And once you've got 15, 20, 100 of those things, then you've, you've controlled some Japanese beetles pretty well just by physical removal off the plant and holding it underneath a leaf and letting them fall into it. Okay. Um, so identifying the pest is first, and I have other tips for a different kind of pests, but I'm not going to go into all of them. Because the second thing you can do is a lot of pests can be controlled simply by spraying them off of the plant. 
and particularly under leaves. That's where aphids and several other leaf-feeding insects live. And so if you get a water hose with a nozzle that you can turn upwards and spray real hard under the leaves of plants and knock a lot of insects off, then there's spiders and ground beetles and all sorts of critters who are looking for a lunch. They're looking for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And by knocking the aphids off and onto the ground, then the beneficial insects have something to eat, and they're helping you to control it with just a strong spray of water or a kid gotcha. with a super soaker or something like that. Get the kids get out there working for you to uh, knock the bugs off the, off the stems. Third thing Perfect. is you can take a vacuum cleaner, even a little dust buster if you want to, and many bugs like squash bugs and... Um, I'll be another good example. Uh, Mexican bean beetles, you can vacuum them off of leaves, and you have to be careful not to suck the leaf into the vacuum cleaner, but you can make a little cage out of out of chicken wire or welded wire cloth over the end and just suck them off and into the vacuum cleaner. End of story. Bug is dead. No insecticide needed. And lastly, if you just feel like I need an organic general purpose insecticide, there's one particular one called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Good, big, long name, but it is what the name implies. It kills bugs, and it's organic. And uh, you can buy that. Captain Jack. Captain Jack. That's what it's called. Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Pike carries it. And uh, that works real nicely as sort of a general, all-wide spectrum insecticide that's organic. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it, Walter. All right, Alex. Y'all go to it and give those kids jobs. I was picking potato <laughs> beetles when I was five years old, and my dad gave me, I think, a nickel a pint. So I learned I like a it. lot of money. <laughs> I like it. All right. Thanks, sir. You bet. Thanks for calling, Alex. We've got, let's see, David Delaniga, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Walter. What can I do for you, David? Well, so I was out picking blackberries the other day, and I, I noticed this tree uh, on the, the wood line in my yard. So I got to looking at it and didn't know what it was and had these uh, green and red and, and a lot of blackberries on it. Okay. So uh, I got to looking at it, and I brought it over to my neighbor's house, and you know, she's pretty seasoned, and I said they were choke cherries. Oh, good, cool. And, uh, and started eating them. Oh, this is really cool. So, um, you know, she was telling me about what I could do with them, but... What I was wondering, is it something that's going to be around yearly? Is it going to be uh, a certain way to harvest it? And how am I going to take care of it if I like to, to use them? You and the birds are going to have to fight yeah. because yeah. they will eat those choke cherry, they will eat those berries real readily. So it's almost one of those things that if you're not covering the tree, you're rarely going to get any choke cherries to eat yourself. Um, okay. It's a it's a woody perennial plant. You can there'll be little suckers next to the main plants that you saw, and you can uh, transplant the suckers in the fall pretty easily, and give them a lot of sunshine and some netting over the top, and you got choke cherries every fall. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good deal. I like it. And there are many recipes online for drying them and uh, making choke cherry wine and doing various other things with them. So, you know, you can go online and find all those recipes. I don't need to go over those with you. But choke cherry, bottom line, is an edible plant. But your worst enemy is going to be the feathered friends that come in looking for it, too. Okay. Good deal. I appreciate it. You bet, David. Thanks for calling. All right. 14 minutes past the hour. And we've got Mary in Brookhaven right here close to Atlanta. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Hi. There is a tree in my neighbor's yard, a huge tree, a large canopy with gray bark, and it has roots above the ground, mm-hmm. and it has little tiny balls with spikes on 
London plane tree would be my bet. Does Pardon it, me? Is the bark really sort of mottled? It's grayish, but mottled a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle sort of? I don't think so. It sort of reminds me of a birch. What I would think birch bark well, would yeah, look. Well, yeah, birch. Birches have little bitty um, spiky balls on them. So you have, <laughs> or, or excuse me, beech. Excuse me, they got oh, bees. Bees. Uh, uh, but it, the leaves are oval shaped with a toothed edge, beech. and they That's alternate. Yeah, it's a beech tree. It's a beech tree. Beech tree, yeah. And the smooth bark. I mean, from time immemorial, people have carved hearts and initials and dates and things like into the tree of the beech uh, beech tree bark. But uh, I hope you don't do that because it doesn't do any any favors for the tree. But that's what it is: beautiful bark on the tree and yes, nice beech. Very pretty. Pretty uh, golden leaves, and it will usually hold most of those leaves during the winter time. The younger ones, particularly the younger trees, particularly you can see them out in the woods uh, very readily during the winter time when they're holding their leaves and they won't actually lose their brown leaves until the new green leaves come in in spring. It seems to have grown quite rapidly. I don't remember it being there. Sure, I I can certainly see that, but that's what you have, a beech tree. Ah, okay. Thank you very much. It is my pleasure to be of service. Thanks for calling, Mary. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Beech trees. One of the biggest ones that I know of, and one that is full of carving, is uh, at the corner of um, Clifton Road and Ponce de Leon, I guess. It's not Clifton. It's that little access road that goes by Clifton there. But every time I pass by it, I think of all the people who have put their names and hearts and initials and things like that. And how many years that tree has been there? It's a big tree. It is easily two and a half to three feet in diameter, but it is a commonly carved tree one that a lot of kids and adults, too, have, uh, in my view, abused a little bit, but it's certainly interesting to come back 10 or 15 years later and say, yeah, that was my girlfriend back in 1942, or that was my uh, sweetheart, or that was the day that I was camping or something like that when you pass by these beech trees with that smooth, smooth, smooth gray bark. It's 817. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need. I'm the kid that's all the candy. I'm a Yankee doodle dandy. I'm glad I am. I'm a real-life Yankee Doodle, made my name and fame and boodle, just as Mr. Doodle did by riding on a pony. Nice. Very good, Scott Maxson. Love that song. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, July 4th weekend starts hot as a firecracker. 94 degrees this afternoon is the expected high sunshine. Not much chance of a shower. Overnight, the lows dropping into the mid-70s. Clear skies above. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Bill's up to Powder Springs, and Bill joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's going on? Uh, about uh, two years ago, my apple tree got hit by lightning, so I cut it down, and now uh, about 18 inches from a stump, one of the main roots is exposed, and I've got about six or eight little sprouts of apple tree yeah, coming sure. up from that stump. Well, sure. Would I should I go ahead and trim all of them back by about one or two? Do you want another apple tree, or do you want to kill the apple tree and not have any sprouts? Ever? No, I want another apple tree. Well, then we'll leave one of them. 
leave one, the strongest one, and cut everybody else back. Okay. Now, if I kill the stump, if I dig the stump up, are the apple tree roots in the ground, or are they in the the, uh, root? If it's more than a foot or so away from the trunk, then it is on the root and not on the trunk itself. And that is, you're smart to think about that, because you don't want the sprout coming off of the trunk, because you're going to destroy the trunk anyway. So it needs to maybe do a little excavation underneath your sprout, make sure it has its own separate root system connected by a little connector to the main trunk. And if that's the case, you can just cut that connector off, and it'll have its own root system. It'll grow right there next to where the other one used to be. Oh, okay. So I can dispose of the uh, of the uh, uh, root. Yeah, sure. Oh, you can dispose okay. of the connecting root with the between the seedling or the sprout that came up off the root and the main trunk. You can cut that connector as long as some other roots that are keeping that sprout supplied with water. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Walter. All right. Thanks for calling, Bill. All right. Don't forget, this is the time of year that if you've got an apple or a pear tree, check it out for heavy fruit. This is one of those things that somehow eluded my father um, because all the pear trees were just loaded right now, are loaded with fruit on the farm. And so this would be the time of year that I would be out there with two-by-fours and forked branches and anything we could find to prop up the limbs because if you did not prop up the limbs, the fruit load would be so heavy that it would crack the limbs off the tree. And I think those pear trees have pretty permanent droopy appearance to them because of all the limbs that got cracked off over the years. One of the things you should be doing, my father should have done, is back in mid-May, late May sometime, we should have thinned the fruit out. But he was, for whatever reason, he had other things to do on the chicken farm than thin up his his, uh, pear fruit. But normally you should have a pear fruit about every five, six, seven, eight inches apart. On this particular tree this year, the fruit is about every three inch apart, and that is why there's such a heavy fruit load and why somebody needs to prop up those limbs, and it may be me. Or I may not do it. I may let the tree just go ahead and droop, and we'll eat the pears as they come. It's 827 at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. You'll catch a Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 835 and 77 degrees outside. Yeah, it's going to get a little warmer this afternoon. Turn on your air conditioning right now or get a block of ice to sit on. Maybe either one of those would be useful for later today, mid-90s, as we've been saying this morning. Get your gardening work done this morning. Get your plants in place. And if you want to get some new plants because something has died because of mismanagement or something like that, there's no better place than Pike Nursery. Our friend Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery joins us this morning. Hey, Mickey. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I am great. I am looking forward to a little bit more planting, and then we're going to leave it be. Whatever survives, survives, and whatever doesn't, well, doesn't. But we still have time. 
Well, and this is the perfect one we've got today for the pike pick. What is that? What is our pike pick? It's flowering vinca. There are hardly any plants that can withstand dry conditions and still come back. They wilt a little bit when it's dry, and then they come back and bang, 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 bang. Lots of flowers. That's right. That's exactly right. We're at the beach this week, and they are all up and down these hot beaches where they don't get watered or anything, and they're just doing great. Some people might confuse flowering vinca with vinca vine. Vinca vine is the one that has a little cute little blue flowers. It's a vine. It blooms in the spring. But flowering vinca is the one that, like you say, is in beds everywhere. Very, very attractive plant. What kind of colors does it come in? It comes in pinks and purples and whites and light pinks and dark pinks. And um, uh, there's a white one with a red dot in it. Yeah, that's the one I like. uh, and they look, I love them with lantana. And because they're really they, cheerful. The yeah. perfect example is a yellow lantana and pink avenca just looks great together to me. So if, like summer. if you're planting right now, because we do think about the summer as being hot and a little dry during the summer, so how would you plant the vinca to make sure they get started off on the right foot? Well, the main thing, first of all, I'd make sure that it was in full sun right. and it has good drainage. That's the only thing that they absolutely will not tolerate is poor drainage. So if you so have heavy clay sure soil. They, yeah, they come from uh, Madagascar. Think oh, about it, yeah. hot and dry. And um, so it's got to be, uh, it's got to drain well and be in full sun. And then I water mine, though, for two or three days. I water them real good. And then I let them go. Once the roots are established, I let them go. And I hardly ever water them. So we could <clears throat> maybe add a little soil conditioner when you're tilling up, yep. digging the soil initially. Yeah. Maybe a tiny bit of sure start in there. Vinca yeah. goes in the ground, water for two or three days, and bang, you got something color for the rest of the summertime. You got it. Great plant. Well, so remember, if you want the pike pick, the flowering vinca, all you have to do is go to the cash register and say, hi, this is the pike pick of the weekend. Mickey and Walter said so. 20% off on all the vinca plants of whatever color that, choose, that you choose that looks best in your landscape. You got it. Any classes going on this weekend, or is this one of those no. vacation weekends? Uh, this is my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think no. I don't think there is anything this weekend. Uh, and I believe <clears throat> and Pike's going to be open on Fourth of July. Is that right? We are. We're going to be open. Uh, yeah, I'm working the fourth, and I think we're closing early. Okay. I believe at four. I think that's right. But check before you go in. Check before you go right. in. So maybe check on on the uh, hours and locations and things like that. So Mickey, I guess our final thing to find out is where would we find the location of the local Pike Nursery. At pikenursery.com. Vinca, flowering Vinca, on sale, 20% off all Pike Nursery locations. And Mickey, enjoy your vacation at the beach. I, I will go sharks. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got uh, Joan in Lawrenceville who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Joan, good morning. Good morning. I have some beautiful bell pepper plants that are green, yeah, but they're supposed to be yellow. Ah. Do I leave them on the vine until they turn yellow, or they do they ever turn yellow? eventually turn yellow. They may turn other colors, too, depending on how long you leave them, but that is the way that bell peppers work. The color okay. doesn't develop until they've been on the vine 
past the green stage, and then they develop into yellows and oranges and reds. A lot of them will go through yellow and then to a red at the very last of the fall. So if you want to wait that long, you can. Okay, but so you can it doesn't harvest. hurt to leave them on the vine. Not I'm afraid all. they're going to rot. The only thing that hurts is the squirrels and chipmunks come and eat them sometimes, okay. or birds peck on them, but that's about all. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Eventually it happens, Joan. All right. All right. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. We've got Jake out in Tacoa who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jake. Good morning. Morning, Walter. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? Well, I had a I had a, an answer for the the answer that you gave me, if, if that makes sense, <laughs> said right. that I had pesticide damage on my tomatoes and my potatoes. Tell, tell me, how did it hurt? How did it happen? Well, it was the manure that I amended the soil with. Uh, I got from a local stockyard. Ah, there you go. And, and a lot of organic gardeners immediately think, manure? What are you talking about? Manure is the stuff you're supposed to add to a garden to make the soil rich. But what happens is that many times uh, animals will graze on a pasture that's been treated with one of the long-spectrum herbicides, graze on and a couple more crossbow maybe, that have been used to control weeds on the pasture. And if the animal eats those treated weeds, treated grass, and then it gets into the manure, it lasts a long time. And that manure mixed up with the soil then hurts your potatoes and tomatoes and makes them real weird looking. How would you describe it, Jake? Tell people what it looks like when you have herbicide damage. Well, the, the new growth, the leaves almost turn into a ball. Yeah. Um, there's hardly any any flowers, any blooms right. uh, to speak of. But when I pulled my potatoes up, I had a lot of potatoes. Okay. But, but are they safe to eat? I can't use the word safe. My insurance will not allow me to use the word safe. But <laughs> I'm not going to say which way I'm going to go on this one. I know that my motto for my mother always was cut the bad part out and eat the rest. If there was a bird peck or some sort of you know worm damage to an apple or a peach or a pear. But because you got the potatoes in the ground alongside that manure... It might not be the best choice in the world to eat those potatoes, but again, that's your choice. I'll let you decide what you want to do with it or not, Jake. So I'll just take some pictures and show people how great I can grow potatoes. You know, that's the best thing you can do. Show them what a good <laughs> potato grower you are. And next year, uh, don't use manure. Okay. All right. Thank you, Walter. Great. Great talking to you, Jake. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. That's one of those sort of heartbreaking things that you think you've done everything right everything right to have a nice beautiful productive organic garden you use hay or manure maybe you get from a source that has used herbicide and for that reason you need to really be aware where does the manure come from bag manure products no problem there but when you just get it from a stockyard where they pile it up at the end of the barn or you get it from a um, plate somebody that has horses and they've got manure at the end of the barn there as well ask has the pasture been treated with herbicide because that is a very common thing to have tomatoes particularly to be gnarled up and Jake described it really well the top of the plant looks like a ball all the leaves just sort of ball up together get real strappy and twisted around very classic symptoms of herbicide damage 404-872-0750 is the number on lawn and garden Wynette is out in coming Georgia and she joins us on lawn and garden hey Wynette good morning Oh, wait a second. Let me get Wynette here. No, that's not Wynette. There's Wynette. No. 
Well, somehow, line two is not coming up for me right now. Why is line two not coming up, Scott? Ah, because Ashley is talking to Annette, clarifying her question right there. Well, we'll get onto that in just a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, too, this morning is about harvesting your, your vegetables early and quickly. Because one of the things that can happen on okra, particularly squash, zucchini, and things like that, is if you let the produce get mature, over mature on the on the vine, then it'll stop all the flowering and all the fruit production for the rest of the plant. And so when you have a squash, go ahead and cut it off when it's about six inches long. If you have okra, cut it off when it's about four inches long. Because if you don't harvest those fruit, it'll stop the blooming. If it stops the blooming, then it'll stop you having any more squash or any more okra. So go out and make sure you harvest things. Don't let things stay on the plant for a long time. All right, when that's available now. Hey, Wynette, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Um, I have a question about lantana. All right. I have one plant that has, like, seed pods on it, like berries, just a cluster that yeah. where the bloom was. It yeah. has berries. Can you replant those once they dry mm. if the birds don't get them? They won't, <laughs> the they won't the germinate in enough time for you to enjoy them. Yes, many times they will uh, germinate, but you'll save them for next year, not for this year. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, I pull some and um, let them dry okay. before the birds get them. And that said, there are some hybrids that might not sprout so very well, and also they may not look like the parents that you have right now. If you have a let's say a pink and a red lantana, and you have them next door to each other, then they will hybridize, and whatever their children look like through the seed next year might or might not look pink or red. They might be sort of a mottled, ugly color to them, too. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the chances you take whenever you take seed from a plant. What did its mother and father look like, and will the seed come back to look like one of its handsome parents, or will it turn out to be the ugly sheep of the of the family? You just don't know. You don't know until you grow it and see. Okay. Well, why would it be on just one plant? I mean, I have—is it just a type of? Um, yeah, some are plant more, plant? more or less likely. The ones that have been less hybridized are more likely to have the pods. It seems to me, um, but yes, it's not unusual to see the pods, but it's not unusual for a plant not to have the pods either way. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you so much. All right. Enjoy Wynette. your show. You bet. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye bye. Lantana is one of those other plants besides the flowering vinca that's the pike pick. That lantana is one of those plants that it just flowers all summer long. This is another one that's not on sale at Pike today, but if you saw a lantana that has the right color combination for you, I wouldn't have any problem at all planting lantana this time of year because they do come back and uh, not show much stress from drought. Even if they get a little dry, they come back once they get a little bit of rain or irrigation on them, and they look fine. Lantana is one of those tough plants we didn't have 30 years ago, but now they're common everywhere, and they're just a wonderful plant. Wonderful plan to have in the landscape. It's 847. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, summer has arrived, and summer will arrive today with temperatures in the 90s. Mid-90s, 94 is what Brad Nitz thinks will be our high this afternoon. Overnight in the mid-70s. Still warm. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 
Victor, 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 Victor here in Atlanta. Join us on Lawn and Garden, Victor. Hey, man, good morning. I have blueberry bushes that put on, they had a full of berries, small berries, but they never grew and they never turned out to be something I could pick. Ah. Bushes, I, last year they gave plenty berries, plenty rich berries, and this year nothing. You know what, Victor? I had the same situation last year. Didn't hardly get any ripe blueberries. In fact, I never seemed to get many blueberries at all off the plant. They would be prolific at the first part of the year, and then suddenly they would disappear. And I wondered, why did my blueberries not ripen? Right. So this year, I made a bird netting cage over my blueberries. And uh -huh. for the first couple of weeks, I had ripe blueberries. I was able to pick them off the plant. And then all of a sudden, there weren't any ripe blueberries for two or three days. And I looked, and there was a hole in the side, or actually underneath, where a cardinal was coming underneath the net and getting in there and picking all my ripe blueberries. And so I fixed that. I put a little anchor brick down there to hold the netting down. Well, lo and behold, now I have ripe blueberries again. I okay. will bet you, Victor, that the birds are out earlier than you are, and they are picking but, those blueberries. Walter, mine never grew. They, they tiny, tiny berries. The bushes mm -hmm. are full of berries, yeah. but they've never grown to into matured berries. I think that as they get mature, just a little bit of color and purple red to the berry that the birds are eating them. Because blueberries, I mean, that is the thing that blueberries want to do. They want to have purple, blue berries on it. They're not, uh -huh. there's nothing that will inhibit the ripening of blueberries. They, If they're green and on the bush, they're eventually going to ripen. Except if somebody or something comes by and harvests it before you get out there in the morning. And, you know, blueberries, cardinals, blackbirds, uh, uh, mockingbirds, okay. every one of them loves blueberries. And they will be out there way earlier than you wake up, Victor. Everyone looking for the little bit of color they find on your blueberry bushes. I think it's birds that are eating them. Okay. All right. I'll, uh, I'll see about draping them. Try and see. Uh, but now, all... what about pruning them this year for next year? Uh, tell you what, go on, go on my website and look for the details on pruning because I don't have a lot of time to discuss that. But okay. I will tell you that on that netting, learn from my mistake and make it sure it goes down to the sides, goes down to the ground on all sides of your plant. Because I swear that little cardinal, it didn't take long for the cardinal to find the way to get underneath that netting and to get underneath there and eat my blueberries. And when okay. I fix that hole, then no more problems with the birds and that was the end of the story with the bird getting in there. Victor, thanks so much for calling. It's been a great Saturday morning. I've had a wonderful time and you know why I've had that good time? I get to work with Ashley Frasca and Scott Maxim. That's why. Both of them do a stellar job. Ashley screening calls after doing five days of work here doing traffic and working with Herman Cain. Scott Maxim finds the best music in the whole wide world today. The theme Fourth of July, USA, Patriot. That's what we're going to do today, and thank you, Scott, for working on that. If you didn't get your question answered, you go to WalterReeves.com, get your question answered there. Follow me on Facebook or on Twitter. Go to Pinterest, sign up for the newsletter. We've got everything you need to be a more successful gardener here in Atlanta. We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Lawn and Garden. Stay tuned for Home Fix-It Show. Dave Baker's in the house. We'll be right here right after news. Took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw.